Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is E.V. Sheldon. We recorded this a couple weeks ago over Skype. They recorded their musical parts during the interview, and I recorded my musical parts afterwards because they're in New Jersey and I'm in Oregon. This episode is brought to you in part by Earful of Fiddle. They're offering their annual music and dance camp online June 20th through the 24th, 2021. Now in its 13th year, this season, Earful of Fiddle will provide virtual instruction in percussive dance, song, fiddle, guitar, banjo, mandolin, and online evening activities. Instructors include Negosi Fields, Jake Blunt, Laurel Primo, Ruby John, Bruce Bowman, Nick Garris, Arnold Asham, and more. To register, visit earfuloffiddle.com. I put a link in the show notes. Stay safe and stay connected to your traditional arts community with Earful of Fiddle. While Get Up in the Cool gets the occasional amazing sponsor, like Earful of Fiddle, it's primarily listener-funded, meaning you. Shout out to Devin Flaherty, who just raised his pledge amount. He now has access to the Get Up in the Cool music archive, featuring tagged MP3s of every tune and song ever played on the show, including the weekly bonus tracks. As you may have heard a few weeks ago when he was on the show, Devin collects music for a living, so it means a lot that he's turning around and putting that money right back into Get Up in the Cool so that he can collect the music we do here. <laughs> Thanks, Devin. It means a lot. To those of you who haven't yet signed up for Get Up in the Cool's Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash getupinthecool, which is linked in the show notes for this episode, and choose a support level that you can sustain. Thanks, everyone. Make sure to stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to keep up with E.V. Sheldon. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Wife wore a brand new dress 
all trimmed out in blue very last words I heard her say John ain't a been good to you John ain't a been good to That is so lovely. Thank you. I Thank love you so that. Much. Thanks. That's a song you don't hear every day. I like that one. Yeah, Evie Sheldon, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Where's really that am. John Henry from? I've never heard that one. Good. That's 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 why I played it. I was like, let's stump the old time guy. It'll be fun. You um, absolutely I- did. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, I got it actually from a local, uh, uh, well, back, I, I'm actually from Missouri, grew up in southern Missouri and lived around Kansas City for years, and now I live out in Jersey, live out east, but um, uh, a friend of mine, one of the people who was kind of responsible for my early education of old-time music was a, a banjo player um, named Dale Frazier, and he used to play that song, and we used to talk about it, it's like there's a million songs about what John Henry did and what John Henry, all the adventures of John Henry, but this one's called The Death of John Henry, and it just talks about what happens after all of the stuff you've read about. It's like this is just three short verses about after he died. And I just thought that was like, nobody talks about that part, and I just think that's like such a tender and beautiful thing to talk about. Oh, yeah. That's really wonderful. Yeah, I think people um, <laughs> people want to focus on... The trauma and the like, the the tragedy and the martyrdom, and yes. they don't want to like look at the what happens right afterwards. They don't want to follow up with the yeah. people who, who don't make it. Um, for you know, they just think about the cause. You know, yeah. The, no, I the agree. work that needs to be done. That's really that's a really lovely idea. Where does that where's that one from? I I don't know where he got it from, but he used to play it, and I and I it's just solidly folk tradition. Folk tradition because he was really into a lot of old old timey banjo stuff. He's a great claw hammer player, and um, yeah, so I just took that from him. And yeah, I think that I think the whole thing of you know, especially like the first verse, I like you know, I I don't want to get like too like melding old things into new things, but it's like like think about what's happening today with like what's happening a lot with Black Lives Matter and with all the horrible things happening. It's like that people do care about it, but it's also kind of becoming a, it could, for some people, I think it's a little bit of a sideshow and they're just like, kind of like rubbernecking. And that's what that whole first verse is about. When, when people out West heard yes. John Henry was dead, they couldn't hardly lay in their bed. They jumped on the train to go see where he was dead. Right. And to me, that doesn't like necessarily ring of respect. It rings of like, Oh my God, did you hear about that crazy thing? We gotta go check that out. That's nuts. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Again, again, you can't really, I don't think, exactly put things together like that. But it's just, I think that's an amazing way to talk about it. And then the preacher talks about his part. And then John Henry's wife is there. It's like you see this real, what it means to like these three totally different pe- people. You know, the the um, the the bystanders, the rubberneckers is the first yeah. verse. Second one is like the man of God, like being like, 
here he is and he's gone, you know, and then, um, and then his, and then John Henry's wife being like, you know, her last words, you know, like, ain't yeah. I been good to you, you know. It's a very moving song. I like it. Yeah, it zooms zooms in to yeah. like the most intimate moments and yeah, yeah. That's really lovely because like the whole point of the story of John Henry is his humanity. Absolutely. But it turns into like John Henry is a, is like a stand-in for all humanity or for like workers or like working mm-hmm. people. And then the further, you know, lo- the loftier you get with it, like you start to forget about the humanity part again. Right. Exactly. And I, this song yeah. is like, Hey, this is about a person. That's right. the point this is of this. A, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you hadn't heard it before. I've never heard it from anyone except him. I've never heard anybody else sing it. I'm sure other people have. I've just never heard it yet. Yeah. What a smart song. That's so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so. Dale too. Frazier? Yeah, that's his name. He's just an old-timey banjo guy. Uh used to live in Santa Rosa, Missouri. Um not sure where he lives now, but it's around the Kansas City area and he was a we had kind of a little um musical collective uh called Rural Grit that um in Kansas City where it was people played different kinds of stuff, but we were all kind of like-minded on a lot of like the grit of it and like the, the realness of, of, of like roots kind of music. And, uh, yeah, he was, you know, quite a leader in that he was, you know, older, older than, you know, 15, 20 years and older than most of us. So he had a lot of, well, I think some really cool things to say that maybe we weren't thinking so much, you know, I learned a lot from him. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like you were before meeting Dale, you were maybe in a much larger umbrella of folk music. And then Dale is like helping you zoom in on a specific tradition. Yeah. And that it wasn't just all of us the same age, you know, it's like, um, because yeah. I was, I played all kinds of stuff at, at like before the wilder started. It's like, I was in, I was in like this lo-fi indie pop band called the young Johnny Carson story. And another one called foolish, sad robot. And it was just kind of like, like, um, like uh i don't know you're out out west if you know about k records up in up in uh up in oregon um but anyway it's just like you know it's just like nerdy not terribly proficient but very heartfelt you know kind of like a pre uh, a self-deprecating precursor to emo i guess you might say or something like that but anyway i was doing yeah. that and then like i just fell into listening to old country records that my folks had because i grew up in southern missouri outside of a town of 128 people and we listened to country music and Started falling in love with that. And I was like listening to that, but like Dale was one of the first people who, you know, like we were starting to discover some old, you know, bluegrass first and like some old timey stuff. And then uh, he came along and he was just like, check this out, check this out. You Doc Boggs, check that out, you know, and you're just like, oh my God. And you're like, wow, really? And, uh, you know, he was just, yeah, he just had a, had a real love for it. And he was not just scrapping around like we were, he was ahead of us. And so it was really cool to have him be with us. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have uh, intergenerational yeah. community. If you want to like, if you want to find cool stuff. Yes. Absolutely. That goes both ways, but people generally think, Oh, the young people know, you know, right. Like old people up, listen yeah. to the young people. Cause we got the cool stuff. And it's like, everybody's got the cool stuff. Everybody's got different <laughs> cool stuff. That's why you got to listen to everybody. You know, yeah. that's why I, you know, that's why I listen to, Post Malone and The Weeknd and Ariana Grande with my kid when we're driving back and forth to school listening to the pop music. I'm like, what's going on? It's like, 
a lot of it's not that good, but some of it's really good, just like it's sure. always been. You know, it's like whatever. It's like every old timey tune isn't good either. You know, it's like yeah. whatever. There's 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 the weed and the chaff, and it's like give it a shot. There's probably find something you like. So. Yeah. yeah, and I would venture to say that if the kids aren't, if they don't feel like they need to be defensive of it, they'll probably admit that too. Like, I, yes, I yeah. hope so. I hope so. <laughs> that, that's the hope, anyway. She might yeah. have to wait a little bit for this one. She's just turned twelve. It might be a few years before she can admit anything like that. I like is yeah. cool, but uh, we'll, well see here's, what I was going to ask, like, when you're listening to this music with her, yeah, is she like, stop, don't sing along, don't learn this song. <laughs> Like, generally not she likes it when i'm interested but that i will i will you know um yeah mostly it's it's not like mostly it's not like you know don't try to come into our secret world you know of of preteens right. and teenagers don't try to understand what we're doing right. i think she's still young enough that it's like that i like a song on the radio that she likes is cool and we both bop along to it and sing along to it i think that's cool <laughs> that might change later i hope it doesn't but right now yeah it's like um yeah i mean i think she respects me as a musician and like you know, I think if I if I'm like that's pretty cool music, and I like tell her here's some things about it that maybe you haven't thought of that, that makes it really cool, and like here's a song from another band in the past that reminds me of this, and we'll listen and be like, oh wow, I can see what you mean, they're related, you know. So I, as of now, as of now, I'm semi cool, yeah. but but my <laughs> stock is probably dropping, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> as it goes. Be- best of luck to you Thank and you. to me. Yes. And to absolutely. all of us who are losing our cool. The, uh, yeah, losing <laughs> our cool <laughs> in one way or the other. Right. What What else do you want to play or sing today? All right. Well, let's put, I'm going to play the banjo a little bit more in a minute. Um, I guess what I wanted to talk about, like, I was trying to think of what songs to play today, and I got the idea of, of, of like, obsessions and like things that obsessions that like I've had in my life, but also obsessions I've had with like old time music and also obsessions that old time music has with like certain yes. kinds of songs, you know, where they're like, this is a song we like to do, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I've, I've got trains, some songs, murder, yeah. trains, murder, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, you know, uh, right. All, all, all these things that are, are part of it. <laughs> <Mules>. <laughs> right. Um, um, uh, so I'd like to do some songs that kind of go along that. The John Henry thing is one of that because I've always like kind of been obsessed with the John Henry story. I'm like that is like such an interesting story that is still like so alive today and can still have so much meaning. It's like what is so like elemental about this story that just like yeah. everybody is like can relate to it. So I was kind of obsessed with that. And so then when I heard this death of John Henry, I'm just like that's a part of the story I hadn't even thought about. It's like so it was really exciting for me. So. um uh, let's see. Um, I've also got um, I've also got a couple of originals that I wrote because they are they are um, regarding um, some obsessions of old timey music, and they're in the old timey vein. So um, cool. I'm gonna do this song on the guitar. It's it's called uh, the Tongue Unknown because there was quite a time in my life when I also got really interested in like. Uh, uh, Pentecostal, uh, uh, Christianity, um, speaking in tongues, gifts of the spirit, handling snakes, all of that. There's a great oh, wow. book called Salvation on Sand Mountain that came out in the 90s that, that was a, a, a story about um, a journalist who 
who he, he was a journalist with the New York Times and this editor was like, hey, there's some crazy thing down in Georgia. It's like this snake handling preacher is like being on a murder trial for like making his wife stick it, stick her hand in the box of rattlesnakes and she died and they were calling it murder. Go check it out. He's like, oh my God, like I have to go see all these hillbillies doing this crazy stuff. And he goes down and he like really just like is fascinated by the story and just starts going back down there and back down there more. And like, I won't spoil the whole thing, but there's a point in the middle where he's like, I'm really thinking of getting a box of rattlesnakes and putting it in my trunk and getting my family down here from New York and we're just going to go drive around and we're going to preach the gospel. Like this dude who's like a, a reporter wow. for the New York Times. <laughs> He's just like, what is this thing, you know? And it's, and um, yeah, they're, like I, I, I think it's an amazing thing and, and especially the speaking in tongues stuff because one, one, um, one theory of that that really struck me because... Um, if you hear people speak in tongues, it just it sounds like gibberish, and, and you know it's not yes. like they're not like I'm speaking in Spanish. You know they're like speaking. You're like I don't know what you're talking about. And one theory about what that is for them is they're like we're speaking to God in a language that the devil can't understand, and so we yeah. can communicate directly with God through this language. And the devil's like I, I don't know what's going on. I'm I'm in the dark with this. And I was like what. What an interesting idea, and it just stuck with me. And I wrote this song like in 20 minutes, sitting at my kitchen table one afternoon. It's called The Tongue Unknown, and I'd, I'd like to do it for you. Fantastic. So, all right. Get my old arch top here. Let's see what we can do. the devil could not understand For if the devil would have heard Herod soon would have knew And Jesus might have been the child he slew Many children that night met the soldier's blade They became angels, they have seen God's face. Years later in the garden, Jesus wept because he knew they had died for him. How could he not die for you? spoke the unknown tongue 
Now he watches over the world, scheming for the upper hand. Best to speak in a language he cannot understand. Best to speak in a language close to God's heart. The love of which the devil once had a heart. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there's lots of obsessions in there. The whole, uh, the whole, um, um, the children that were killed when, when Herod uh, sent out all the soldiers and said, kill every child under two years old. It's like in the Catholic tradition, they're called uh, the innocents, uh, innocent yeah. plural with an S. And because they basically, basically the idea of like, they died for Jesus, now Jesus will die for you, because how could he not after the sacrifice of all these people? And I, I don't know. Lots of little obsessions of my life. I, I love religion. I love, um, I love a lot of the old-timey tunes with it. Um, there's a great uh, Carter family song, You Gotta Write in That Wrong Someday. I, I love that song. There's like, um, later I'm going to do a Golden Gate Gospel Quartet song. I, I love them, a black gospel quartet from like the 30s and 40s. And I don't know. I, I love how they go together, and I love the the takes, and it's not so clean, and it's not so, you know, easy. I don't know. I like that about it. I'm not particularly religious myself, but I'm interested in it. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you got me to re-examine a thing that um, I was very comfortable dismissing, so I actually really appreciate that. Good. The speaking Good. in tongues in, in particular. Uh, well, because, I know, because uh, it's like, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it, it looks silly. I've been around it, and it's and you're, you know, people are like, are these people deluded or what? And I guess what I'm saying is, I don't really care if they're deluded or not, or <laughs> if it's real or not. I don't really care. I think the story is amazing, and that's what's yeah. important to me. And I wish people spent more time with religion paying attention to the stories instead of paying attention to little bits of this and little bits of that and little bit of yes. this. It's like, look at the story. The stories are amazing. And there's a lot to be learned there if you cannot get caught in all the <laughs> this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's hard not to get caught in it, especially when you're a kid and you're getting pressured to, oh, <laughs> to be, they're trying to catch you in it. Um, oh, yeah. you know, like I've had a fair amount of, and maybe you could speak to this as well, but like pressure to, um, perform religious ecstasy. Um, mm, and wow. it's like a, it's a very complicated thing. Um, but like now looking back on it, I can think, okay, yeah, I was kind of messed up that, there were all of the peer, the weird peer pressure around it, uh-huh. but also like, how cool is it that like these these people have a uh, an outlet for something post rational, um, yes, and a fi- to have a physical experience, and uh, I have not found a way to replace that in my life. Other than maybe sometimes playing old time music. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean, where you can be caught up. Yeah, you're playing with a bunch of people. We've all had those jams where it's like you don't feel like anybody's touching the floor. You know, we're all yeah. in another place. But yeah, I love the idea of post rational. And I, I, yeah, that experience because I, I definitely have had, you know, religious ecstasy experiences in my life and yeah there's it's it's if you're a true believer you can find that kind of thing and then if when you're not a true believer anymore you can't really find it and i would imagine the believers would be like see that proves it but um (laughs) but i i think it's it's just it's just different but it is a beautiful thing i i am i had an amazing experience once like when I try to dismiss everything, I, I don't know. I don't try to dismiss everything, but I, I have a, I have a hard enough time with what's here without like spending a lot of time thinking about what's not here or what's not Word. seen. I'm, I'm just trying to barely get by anyway. But um, I used to play banjo and, and play music in old folks' homes. And one time I, I, uh, I would play like at lunch and then I would like ask them for a list of people who hadn't been getting out of their rooms, you know, who don't get to see the activities. And I would go in and like visit with them and play some tunes for them. And there was this one woman who was always out there, and she wasn't. I'm like, where's she at? And it's like, oh, she fell, and and you know, and I know that story from being in nursing homes so much. A lot of times, that's the beginning of the end, you know. And she's falling, and and um, and she fell, and it's like she's in her room. I'm like, well, I'll go play for her. And she was a very, very religious woman. And I went out and played for her, and 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 uh, um, I wish I I, t- I wish I could remember the song. I, I can't. I, I remember it was a, on the it was on the banjo, and it was. In C, it might have been. Will there be any stars in my crown? It might have been that. But um, I started playing for her, and she did what she normally did, which was, you know, she kind of went. It, it didn't take long for her to go into religious ecstasy. She's like, "Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus." You know, and I was just playing the music, and then the sound of the banjo just like, like if you've been listening on Apple, you know 
earbuds and then somebody's like, here's here's like this $35,000 speaker s- s- system sitting yeah, in the sweet sure. spot. And you're just like, impossible. I was playing banjo. I was just like, what is happening is like my banjo became like post hi-fi, if we want to use post words. I was like, I, I, I can't <laughs> imagine that. And I'm singing and my voice is just this magical shining thing and she starts singing with me and there is like the rooms kind of like that and I'm just playing I'm just like oh my god I'm like looking right at her and she's just smiling at me and then we get done and I'm just like was that real and she's like absolutely thank you Jesus Mm. thank you Lord and I was just like and, could, and then play. I never had it happen again. You know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I think it's fabulous that, that she believed it and had this religious ecstasy. And I did myself for a bit and I wouldn't trade it for the world. It doesn't I, I don't know what it means. And I don't really care too much what it means. It just it was a beautiful thing. Evie, I like I like that story a lot um, because because that sounds like a really important moment. And it's, it sounds it like what you're talking about in the song, like. You, you kind of lay it out at yeah. the end. Love is the tongue unknown. And you were performing an act of love um, yes. by singing a song for someone at the end of their life. And right. when someone is about to die, potentially, yeah. um, it does not matter what they think. And it does no, not matter what you not. think to them. Absolutely. And you, you can't, it's like you can't have an argument about... Um, Okay, but what is the speaking in tongues actually? You know, right, what, right, right. Yeah, is, exactly. You know, it's like it's really like past do people that in point. other countries use different syllables when they're speaking in tongues? Are they recycling? You know, like you could right. you could get into all that stuff, but it's like when you're with with a true believer who's about to die, and yes. you know, to them, see their God. You know, like obviously that doesn't matter. And no. what a clarifying experience that would be. Yeah. Yes, that room was absolutely full of love, and I think that is. I you know if I have to think what all the all the religions say all the, all the good philosophies say is that love is that is the tongue unknown that's the that's the that's the language that evil whether you want to be the devil a personish kind of thing or just evil pure or whatever that's like the only that's the only thing that that evil cannot understand is senseless yeah. post rational love. That's all. That's the, that's the only thing that evil is like, I don't even know what's going on here. It's like, well, then that's why we need to do it so that you oh, wow. never get a foothold, you know? Yeah. Wow. Senseless post-rational love. That's, you know, I always have a parenthetical title for these episodes. And uh, at the moment, that's the front runner. And I think that's, that'll turn some heads when people see it in their podcast feed. If, But we'll see if we come up with something uh, else. Well, I, you know, I, I, that's, write, that, write that down before we forget. That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, um, right. ah, so much, so much that I could say, and I want to talk to you about um, about old times experience with religion and its obsession with religion, and all of the like, you know, aloof atheists I know today who like are obsessed with you know shape note singing, you know, and like there's right. so many directions we could go with this, but <laughs> I want to hear another song and. Okay. Uh, we will have to either do another episode or just hang out sometime and talk yeah, about all of these I things. I would like that. that. I would, yeah. I would be glad to sit and talk about religion and music like all day long. I, th- I think they're both fascinating subjects and the way they come together are amazing. Um, for sure. Let me see what, what next song are we going to do here? 
I think, well, you know what? I, I was going to probably do this at the end, but I'm not going to now because we're talking. Let's Here, let's stick on. Um, what do you think? Should we stick on a religious uh, bent? Because I, I have a Golden Gate Gospel Quartet tune that uh, oh, is wonderful. a particular favorite of mine. Or was that going to be too much religion in a row? No, let's do it. I'm uh, I'm all warmed up. Okay, yeah, that's why I figured we're in the right experience. place. Well, let's <laughs> we got us both in the place of like religious being in the mood for religion. So let's let's roll with that so it doesn't yeah. go away. Okay, just um, as long as you do something just like nasty afterwards, you know, <laughs> then we'll just like get back into the profane. Um, right, right. But, uh, you know. I can do uh, uh, God, what what blues singer was uh, uh, like. One big sausage and two red tomatoes. That's all I need. So we'll do some stuff like like that. Okay. Uh, Golden Gate Gospel Quartet, another one of my obsessions of Bible stories is the passion. I think think it's a phenomenal story. And um, if you don't listen to Golden Gate Gospel Quartet, please go listen to this. It's called My Time's Done Come. Also listen to Jezebel, the two of my favorites. Um, Rapping, the the definitely talking blues slash cool. religious rap is is what's going on in this one. And um, but um, from the thirties and forties, huh? Yeah, yes, and yes, amazing. And, uh, yes, it is amazing. It's I can't wait to share it with you. Here we go. Don't do me no harm, my time done come. My time 
in my God's feet and the hammer was heard in Jerusalem street now John and the Mary's at the bottom of the cross saying Lord all is lost God looked out over the wondering throng said Will you miss me when I'm gone? Will you miss me when I'm gone? Will you miss me when I'm gone? My time will come, boy. Wow. Yeah, how about that, right? <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's such an, a high-energy song for the content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, again, about the humanity, because it's like, if you take the humanity out of that story, it doesn't matter. It's like, the, what matters is the Garden of Gethsemane what ma- being like, please don't make me do this. I do not want to do this. Please, any other way except this. That's what matters. Him on the cross being like, what have I gotten myself into? Why did I agree to this? You know, it's like, what? Am, this is so, hurts so bad and so horrible. That's what matters. My time's done come. It's like, I'm bound to pay the debt I owe. It's like, here's the debt I owe to all you people, and I'm about to pay it, and it's <laughs> it's horrible. You know, yeah. I mean, that's like, it could be so sad, but it's like angry, you know, or at least the way I do it, I like, I tap into that, like that anger of just like, yeah, ah, I'm doing this for you people. Like, you're doing this to me, and I'm doing this for you. It's like, good grief. It's like so painful. <laughs> that, I always thought that story was... Um about Jesus telling his disciples, one of you will betray me. And then all of them are like, was it me? <laughs> or will it be me? <laughs> like, it's such a weird, uh, it's such a w- weird dynamic. Is it, and, isn't uh, it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, is it, is it me? Who's going to do it? You know? And he's just like, it's the one that dips in the dish with me. And my, in my brain, I'm always like, my guess is everybody did. 
Right. Like they've had the bread and they've had the dish and they've all been dipping. It's like, which one's going to betray me? It's like the one that dipped in the dish and they're like, oh, shit. It's like, that's all of us. It might be me. And it's like, it, it kind of is. <laughs> it's all of you. There, one guy's doing a particular thing, but it's like, all you guys are going to be like, Phew. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and we can't draw any like metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> to, to any situations today about no, no. Uh, who carries no, blame or things like that or responsibility and you know it's a long time ago we shouldn't yeah, overthink it, it. it's very different yeah, it's very different back then <laughs> we've got that all worked out now yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's a, essentially that. all these di- uh, disciples like you know woke signaling oh surely isn't me right <laughs> yeah it's not me i'm yeah. doing my part yeah and it's like everybody yeah everybody's everybody's the problem and everybody's the solution and if you just think you're, if you think you or somebody else is just one of them i i think you're really deluding yourself there's yeah. certainly people who are more the problem than the solution and more people that are more the solution than the problem but it's like we're, sure. we're all we're all part of it thank mm. you for letting me share that song that song means a lot that was a song the wilders did very often and had like a phenomenal uh, Sunday set at Merle Fest uh, many, many years ago in in the trad tent that was like just such a hot two in the afternoon, just like dripping sweat, everybody. And we just went up there and just like, and just ripped the place up. And that was, that was our encore was that song. And, and, you know, it's like, I love playing it by myself, but like to play it with all of this sound yeah. and all of this. And we never knew how it was going to go. We never knew how it was going to end. We knew how it started and that was it. It's like, then we'll just see what happens. And it would just had this energy. And, and uh, uh, that song means a lot to me. And I will always think of my pals in the Wilders when I do that song, because it wouldn't have existed without them. I brought it to us, but they made it into that. Thing. So, yeah. When did you, when did you meet the Wilders? That was in Kansas City. We were, you know, like I said, I was doing like the indie pop thing. Um, Phil, the Dobro player, and Betsy, you know, who you just had Betsy and Clark on. Yes. And Betsy, Betsy and Phil were like sitting like uh, cross-legged on like Indian rugs playing like um, improvisational, um, like Indian classical-ish music. He would play like hand drums and, uh, wow. and sitar and she would improvise violin over the top, you know, it was like... That's what we were doing, and we were all doing that. And then my band broke up, and then they just decided to stop doing the the Durys thing. And then I ran into Phil one time. I was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Man, I've been listening to my like dad's old country records." I'm like, "That's exactly what I did." I went home and listened. It's like we should play some country music sometime. That'd be fun. And so did that. And like he and Betsy started kind of going more towards country music, and I just kind of glommed on. And so that's how the three of us started. And then like two bass players down the road that's when nate joined and then from then on i mean like we from 99 to like 2010 it's like we were just full on all the time all over the united states all over the uk and europe it was it was a blast spreading the word you know yeah See, yeah it's interesting to think of uh, a bunch of folks in missouri eventually getting around to playing country music <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. Most of you are like you're playing it all the time, but it's because we heard it all the time. That's why we did something different. My my uh, my degree is in you know like you know Betsy went to conservatory in violin performance. You know I I went to school at, with a, a with a vocal performance degree, singing opera. 
You know, it's like that. I think we were like, we're not hillbillies. Check this out. And we'll prove it. Yeah. <laughs> we're not hillbillies. I'm like, I'm not a hillbilly, you know, and all that <laughs> stuff. But then it's like, then it just comes back because it's like it's part of your growing up and you can get far enough away from it where you can be like, okay, I can listen. I'm not being forced to listen to this now. It's like nice memories and I'll just listen to it and find out on my own instead of like, in my house, it's like country radio that was on all the time and all the records were country records and I, I loved it. But also like by the time I got to be a teenager, I'm like, no, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is like mom and dad myself. music. Yeah, I had to find it myself, and then I did, and then dug dug deep and like found really wonderful stuff. And like I said, we were all in that like rural grit thing. It all kind of happened at the same time. A lot of people were going towards this thing, you know, and and uh, and with Dale, you know, being like kind of the elder statesman of it, but all of us like finding our way with this old timey and and hillbilly music. We just it was a blast. I mean, learned so much. I don't even. I missed most of the lat, end of the '90s radio because I was like listening to like, you know, Frank Prophet. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's like it's like. Do you know? Remember this Britney song? I'm like, no. And I'm like, no. But do you remember like Frank Prophet's awesome version of Cumberland Gap? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, whatever. You know, it's like we were just in the world. I was just so in it. And it's nice to not be that now. To be like, I listened to all kinds of this, but it's like. I went to school, you know, that's why I feel like I went to school for like about four years there where it was just like, people would be like, I found this, I found this, I found this, and we'd make tapes for each other. So it's like, oh my God, how does he do that? You know, and all that stuff. Mm. And it's so scratchy and awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I guess back then you were like literally physically finding yes. things. Yeah, which it wasn't is like I found something on the internet. It's like, yes, yeah, so somebody like I at a at a... Somebody at a garage sale, and I found this like Ozark banjo compilation. Let's listen, and then we'd be like, "Oh my yeah. god!" You know, yeah, it was a beautiful time. We really learned a lot, and and uh, I really like how we took it and put our own spin on it. And today, we're still—I mean, listen to Betsy and Clark. You know, it's like obviously so grounded in tradition, but they—they they are just using. They don't have any borders, you know. They're like, I'm taking this and as a starting point, and I can play it as straight as you want it, like straight up old time and kill it that way. But I also can throw this in there if I want. And if I don't, I won't. But if I do, I will. And it's like it's all coming from here, you know. And I think that's what you have to do. You learn the school, you imitate, and you, and you copy people, and then you find your own way, you know. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Sometimes there's like pressure to have certain kinds of reverence for yeah. certain sources or um, for a narrow idea of what the tradition is. And yeah, in, in my experience, uh, I've, I've met a lot of people who have grown up inside a tradition and often those are the people who feel the most free to, be flippant about how they use it in their lives. Right, um, right, right. And I think there's something, I think there's something telling there and something special there. It's like, well, it's just, yes. it's just in the, it's just in the air, you know, like it's just, uh, right. Something. It's just yeah, a thing. Like, it's just there. It's just another part of me, you know? Right. And people, and it's different. I think when you discover it, like I'd heard, you know, like, like, um, uh, you know, I'd heard bluegrass music and stuff growing up in, in southern Missouri, but I never really heard it like old time. You know, first time I heard Claw Hammer banjo, I was just like watching a guy playing and I'm like, 
where are any of those notes coming from? Because it's like when I'm watching both of his hands, it seems like it, there should be like it looks like one, one note per minute. So he just be like bing, 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 <laughs> bing, and it's like who get the and I'm like I don't even know where it's coming from, you know. And it's like when you discover it, I think it's really easy to like glom on. But I agree that people I know who like grew up with it, you know, like are just like yeah, it's totally awesome, and but it's also just a thing. You know, and it's a little different when you when you just can't even see straight, and you, it's just all you love. And so, it's good yeah. to go to school because those people went to school just growing up in it. I went to school learning later about it, and I'm glad I did. And but then, like, found my way to like doing what I want with it. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like religion. Like uh, when you meet uh, people who uh, convert later in life, it's like yes. it's a really <laughs> different vibe than someone who grew up in the <laughs> in church. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's so new and shiny to when you discover it, you know. And but if it was just always there, you have a respect for it, but you also have seen its limitations, seen you know all sides of it, and so you look at it as a more complete thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Hmm. Well, that was uh, that was Did, my two. That was my religion set. I think. I, I was not expecting to talk about religion this much today. I not not because I knew anything about you, but just because I just don't generally plan to in my day to day life. And uh-huh. it was a positive experience of talking about it. So thank I'm, you. I'm glad. I'm glad. Like I said, I've, I've got no I've got no axe to grind. It's like um, you know, I I I I just I like some of the ideas and I try to live by them and try to think about them, but I, I don't worry about it too much. I'm taking I'm taking a Frank Lee approach. I remember, <laughs> remember we we you know we like so many people and just idolized the the freight hoppers back in the day. You know, and yeah. I remember watching uh, uh, like freight hoppers live at Bear Barn, Bearville Barn or whatever it was that that thing they put out um, really early in their days. You know, just like a VHS tape. We got it and like wore it out. You know, watching it all the time. But he was like talking about. They're like, why do you have that metal? finger pick on there he's like well we were playing all the time and it's like i started to wear my fingernail off so i started like super gluing like fake lee press on nails on there and he's like that just felt bad and he's like i saw some old timey guy who like had taken like some chrome off his old car and like basically made like a little finger pick out of it and you know turned it around and covered up his nail so it protected his nail and he's like they're like do you get any flack about it he's like well you know some of the old timers you know they think it's like you know got a pretty metallic sound but I don't let it bother me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was like Frank. That's the way. It's like I don't. I don't let it bother me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm trying to live more and more like that. Um, quick word, just to be a banjo nerd. Um, uh, this is not like a. I don't think it's a unique style, except it was unique to me the way I made it up. Um, I love the claw hammer. Ding ding a ding ding a ding. I love that rhythm. But I grew up listening to bluegrass, so I loved the sound of picks on a banjo. Yeah. And so what I did was I, I flipped it upside down. So that's like my fifth string. That's my drone, thumb lead, and just throw in the fifth string whenever I can. And so it gives me the joy cool. of both. It gives me gives me that uh, that pick sound, but with the same uh, kind of uh, claw hammer rhythm. So in case anybody was watching and going, why are you doing that? I, I don't have I a good reason. I was curious. But that is It the sounds reason. great. Yeah. Good, you, I good. mean, it's got the sound there. Yeah. Good. Um, well, let's, uh, it's now I've, since I've done like uh, songs you've never heard and then two originals, let's, let's do an old classic here. Let's do a little best song about a chicken that I've ever heard. So let's try a little cluck old hand. Let's see what we can do. Speaking of obsessions, this tuning 
it was like when I first discovered this tuning early in my banjo life, I was just like, I was like, I was like, I want to play everything in that tuning. So, <laughs> so here's Cluck Old Hen. people include the verse about the hen laying taters because i think that's important you shouldn't leave that out it's so important it's it's probably yeah the the i agree the most important is that the that the <laughs> chicken lays taters and that the first time they cackled they cackled in the lot and the second yes. time they cackled they cackled in the pot <laughs> all that time between no cackling it's like yeah <laughs> like they came and bust out of the egg and they're like Cacker! and then silent for like a year until we got sick of the potato thing that's like we're eating you it's like now you speak up you could have said something you could have not laid potatoes you know there's all kinds of things you could have done so like too little too late yeah well, what a str- what a strange song i'm i'm glad it exists um i gotta go back to my friend uh, dale frazier again i saw a song he sang that to me is str- stranger that when we started listening to these old tunes and like hearing the little snippets uh, like john brown dreamed the devil was dead the little snippets we uh, we called them country haiku that's what we called them we were just like what are these like little things that somebody's like playing this tune it's like let's just throw in this word uh, for this one moment it's not a song we're just gonna say john brown dreamed the devil's dead bye and it's like why and tell me more but you you won't and um <laughs> he used to do a song called uh, um, I don't know what it's called Sally in the Garden 
Are you familiar with that? Sure, yeah. That, that I don't know if it all has the same words, but Sally in the garden sift and sift and Sally in the garden sifted sand, Sally in the garden sift and sift and Sally upstairs with the hog-eyed man. Yeah. But we, we talk about the sifting of sand three times. But then it's like, yeah. oh, and she's upstairs with the hog-eyed man. Exit stage left. We're not telling you anything, really, what's going on. It's like, we're just going to drop that little nugget for you. Think about the hog-eyed man for a while. Like the hog-eyed man. Holy shit. It's an arresting image. I don't want to be anywhere with the hog-eyed man, but probably no. ups- upstairs might be last on my list. Maybe the cellar. <laughs> cellar is probably last, but up- anywhere that's not a ground, the ground floor where I can jump out a window, I, I don't want to be there. It, it sounds we, very... We don't want to yuck anybody's yums, but like, you know... <laughs> Also, I understand where you're coming well, from. You're right. My apologies to all the hog-eyed men out there. It's like I'm not saying you're unlovable. The saying don't hang out upstairs with me. That's all I'm saying. I haven't ruled them out yet, personally, but, you know, I got a life ahead of me, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what will happen. You're right. I, to tell the truth, when it comes down to it, I don't know what I'm talking about. I have not experienced the hog-eyed man, and there the might heart be... The wants what it wants, Evie. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the hog-eyed man, who has always been to me an object of derision and revulsion, to tell the truth, now I'm like kind of giving him a second look. It's like, perhaps <laughs> I was a little hasty in my judgment of the hog-eyed man. All right. All right. So, uh, so thank you. Uh, I helped you with religion. You helped me with men. I, I appreciate it. That's, good. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm here. It's <laughs> the secret goal of get up in the cool. <laughs> it's just, it's mostly, it's mostly a, a romance advice show like underneath. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's not, not that. Uh, okay. Oh, so boy. we, ha- we got time for one more song, but before okay. we go, please tell us where, to keep up to date with your musical projects, how to buy your previous recorded works and right. support all the music and art that you do. Right. Wow. Okay. Um, well, first of all, this is, this is me, Evie Sheldon, right there. Okay, that's me. And you can get a hold of me at, I'm looking on my own card, evsheldonmusic at gmail.com. And you can get hold of me. And there's, there's, if you search E.B. Sheldon on YouTube, you can see definitely some, some little tiny snippets of things I'm doing. Also, you could also go to Eve Sheldon, search that on um, YouTube, and there's definitely some things that are like this and things that are nothing like this. And you can yeah. see some of that. Um, as far as old Wilder stuff, God, I don't even know where you'd go buy it. I mean, Tower Records, I don't know. just walk on down to tower records and pick up a good video at blockbuster while you're at it Um, oh i wish that sounds lovely i know it does sound lovely um but um yeah i'm I'm not sure i'm not sure just uh, but if you just want to listen to it and not pay for it we're on spotify so you can definitely do that okay yeah great all right now now see i'm in a i talked see i told you i would talk too much because i did prepare six songs and i have two left and one of them I will. I, I, I guess I will leave it up to you. Neither one of them is a short song. Well, well, I'll tell you what. One of those should be the bonus track okay. for the Patreon subscribers. So oh. it depends on uh, which one we want to do in the pr- episode proper, okay. and then we'll do the other one as well. But that one will just be for the people who support the show. 
Okay, well then, um, I will tell you what they are and you can think about it. Another okay. one of my obsessions uh, was the murder ballad. That's Many people have had that obsession in their life. I, I could not get enough of them. Fascinated by the murder ballad. And I wrote a murder ballad driving a car for a company. A company needed a car delivered from southern Missouri to Richmond, Virginia. And so I drove it there for them. And I was, as I was driving through all the mountains and stuff out there, I just felt the flow and I was just listening to old time music the whole time. This was like when I was in the depths of it and listening to murder ballads. I'm just like, I love murder ballads. I'm like, could I write a murder ballad? I'm like, what do I have mm. to talk about? So here's the story. My very first act as a human on this earth was that, uh, spoiler alert, I killed my mother when I was born. But it, it's not as tragic as it sounds. Uh -huh. So I was born... And my mom was in her hospital room recuperating, because that's the way it yeah. was back in those days. You weren't hanging out with your baby. And she had another person in the room. It was a semi-private room, so she had another person in the room. It's funny how semi-private means absolutely not private, but anyway. So uh, the <laughs> other, she's in the room, and the, and the woman was laying there in the bed, and she was like, oh, God, that faucet's dripping. It's making me crazy. It's like... Uh, I got to call the nurse and tell him to turn that faucet off. I can't sleep. And she looked over at my mom's bed, and my mom's bedding was so soaked with blood that it was dripping onto the floor. Oh, my God. And she, and she was just like, nurse, nurse, get in here. And they came in, and my mother had no heartbeat, was not breathing. And, um, and she told me this story in the 70s after all these stories came out, but she never told anybody before because she said I was floating above my body and I saw the nurses and doctors working on me. And she wow. was like, and she's like, it was like this beautiful light, like in the corner of the ceiling. And I was like, kind of just floating towards it. And she's like, I just wanted to go. But then she's like, I was like, what are, what are they going to do with a brand new baby? It's like, what are yeah. they going to do? They don't know what to do. She's like, okay, I'll go back. And so she went back and she started breathing. They brought her breath back. But that was the very first thing I did. And so I thought, that's a great beginning to a murder ballad, that yeah. this person, the very first act of being alive is murder. That, yeah. that that's the very first thing they did. And that's like, maybe we could go from that. And maybe we could even like kind of look at how these things usually end. And maybe we could like see if there's, there's other ways of looking at it. So I have that. And the other thing I have is like a, a 12-verse um, northern, northern, um, northern England song, which, I, which I'm sure you've, you've heard, uh, heard Anaki Gordon. You've probably heard Anaki Gordon, maybe? No. It's a hell of a story. So both of these are really, really good stories. So I, I don't know. I would say my murder ballad probably fits more what everything else has sounded like. Uh, Anaki Gordon, I'm going to play on a capoed um, little awesome tiny parlor guitar called mm. Bruno from the 20s. And, it, and the tone of it is just magic, especially when you capo it, it sounds like a harp. And so I have, that, I have both of those. So um, uh, it depends if you would like the last song to kind of fit more uh, sonically and maybe thematically with with what's going on and then the extra could be the um Anaki Gordon. I mean, yeah, I think we I think we should do that because you told the great story and now people are going to want to hear the song and uh, 
right. and I don't want to be too coercive it. with the Patreon, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> right, let's, right. let's and I, and I love a deconstruction of the murder ballad. And yes, yes, it sounds like the ideas of murder ballad, like they they've uh, you've done positive things with them, and I'm I'm excited to see. I will say, not to name drop, although it is name dropping, uh, a couple of Halloweens ago, um, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, uh, Eat, Pray, Love, she lives in Frenchtown, uh, where I live, Frenchtown, New Jersey, this little tiny town of, like, I don't even know how many people are here, like 1,200 maybe, I doubt it. Little tiny town, everybody knows everybody. And she, and uh, as I found out when I went east, northeast, uh, Halloween is like bigger than Christmas. Like people are so nuts. There's parades. There's all kinds of, the whole town shuts down. So for Halloween night, so she has a house in town, has a giant porch. And like, I'm friends with some friends of hers who hang out there. And I was hanging out there and we were just talking about, um, about Halloween and spooky and stuff like that. And I had my guitar. I'm like, I, I've, I've got something spooky that I could play for you. And I played it. And Elizabeth Gilbert was like that. She's like, that's the best Halloween I've ever had in my life. She's like, that oh. was, Phenomenal. So, like, uh, uh, yeah, but she was like, that's a story. So, anyway, that is name dropping, but I'm just saying it because I, I, I love this. It's a good story. So, get ready. Here comes the story. All right. Can't based wait. loosely on my life. I didn't do anything except the first thing. Thank you I so just, much, Evie. This has been lovely hanging out with you. It has been. I like to hang out with you all the time now. I'm going to be <laughs> bothering you. You're going to get like text at two in the morning and be like, so what are you doing, man? You want to listen to some Doc Boggs? All right. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. This is called Lily Brown. Thank you. 
my father raised me and I know he loved me but he lived in a fear what I might be a fear of the thing that my mother had seen and as I grew a darkness bloomed in me I kept it head away Thought I held the key Till the night it came out For two others to see There was a lovely girl She lived in our town The devil come to my room He said you gotta put her down And I cried cause I knew It was my own Lily Brown now I loved Lily and she loved me But I had been told just how it must be So I watched her house every night for to see On the ninth night I watched she went for a walk Put a rag in her mouth and I tied it in a knot. Put a rag by the head and I tied it in a knot. I took her to that place that we love so. That place in the woods where she loved to go. That's when she saw the shovel and the hole. Get in that grave and pull the dirt down That's what I said to my poor Lily Brown I grabbed her by the wrist and I threw her in the ground I wanted her to know how it felt to be spurned But before I could finish behind me but it was too late to turn my father had been hunting that night all around he saw what I'd done to that poor lily ground and with the butt of his rifle he split my poor crown with the butt of his rifle he split my poor crown Sleep forever hidden from 
God's holy life. Go subscribe to E.V. Sheldon on YouTube. Contact them at evsheldonmusic at gmail.com to book them for shows. And go check out The Wilders wherever you get your music. All that is linked in the show notes for this episode. Thanks again to Earful of Fiddle for sponsoring this episode. Sign up to reserve your spot for their online music and dance camp June 20th through the 24th. 2021 at earfuloffiddle.com. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. And if you're able, please help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional Clawhammer banjo series. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set, available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. We're about to start season 19, so in a couple weeks here, that would be a great jumping on point. Again, everything I just mentioned, it's linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.